this is Jack. Hey, I'm Damien. This is Karen. Yo, this is Toby. You are listening to the Think Breaks podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, good, good idea. Good job. Right. Uh, welcome back, everyone. It is episode 11. Unfortunately, Damien could not be with us today due to having some other commitments, but we also have a guest in the room. This guy is one of the co-owners of Differential, a label that we are all big fans of. So please give it up for Mr. Niels Han, a.k.a. NHN. <laughs> You have to say hello. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that. I got that. Um, yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> Happy to be here. Good to have you on, man. How's it going? Are you well? Yes, I'm well, thanks. Yeah. Hope you're well too. Yeah, yeah. All good over here. All good over here. All good over here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, as we said, um, Niels is one of the co-owners of Differential, a label that is now two years, over two years old, right? Just coming up to its third year in February, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, about two years ago, around this time, we started tinkering with the idea. And then in February, we originally started, or officially started, I should say. And that's between you and your friends. Like, how did the idea come about? Was it just a sudden, you know what, we can do this? Or um, Well, some context to the people working on the label, it's, it's loads of artists. Guys like Dusky, Petrol, Lenny's. Um, mm. Right at the beginning, we got we've had Edlan on board too, and then like uh, I'm officially like studying law, and a friend of mine has some experiences with like study associations and uh, the board of that. And then uh, Jeroen uh, does a lot of graphics. He's mm. done a lot of uh, well, I don't know if I can say famous, but like well-respected artworks and he's doing artworks for some other labels in the scene too so we were like yeah we've kind of got this first palette of skills we we're pretty uh experienced most of us in several different fields fields of work all uh applicable to running a label Mm. well first we started with the idea of an event that same group of people because we were feeling like there's not enough soulful and deep drum and bass in the Netherlands. True. Um, <laughs> one downside, none of us really threw, threw an event before, like with our own funds. So clubs are a bit hesitant to go on board when you don't really have any uh, anything to show for or any clear indications how many people are going to come, that kind of stuff. So then we were like, a few of them were like, yeah, well, I've got some tunes lying around and... We were like, we should just make a label, man. We've got a really, really uh, versatile skill set. We can do most of it, if not all in-house. So why not? And we did. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah, man. And I guess, do you find that since obviously you now have differential the label, as opposed to it just being an event showcase, has the fact that it is a label been a lot easier for you to throw events because people know differential and its sort of reputation? Yeah, definitely. Because you can right away, you can uh, show people what you're about. If there are any questions about the atmosphere, about the style of music, you can just show them to your back catalog. And uh, they really uh, 
yeah, clears it up. It really sets the tone for the night easily because uh, most of the artists that release with us have played at our parties. So you know what to expect. You know what the vibe is going to be. And yeah, <laughs> it turns out great. The other way around, it's a bit of a toss-up because you don't really... Uh, you don't really know what to expect if you just say it's liquid. It can be liquidity style, can be mm. North Quarter style, can be mm. every everything yeah. in between. So, you, I mean, you, so you say you know your first event that you put on, you kind of just threw that together, and none of you really knew what to expect. Like, how did that go? The first event, how did it go down? Um, our first event was in Amsterdam in the Vondel Bunker, in the Vondel Park. It was like a, um, ah, shit, what's it called? It's like a venue that doesn't earn any money. Oh, okay. So, oh, so, not for profit. Yeah, not for profit. So um, a few of us have been working uh, for different organizations that hosted parties, like promotional efforts, like a little bit of backstage experience, that kind of stuff, obviously. Yeah. There's DJs there, so they've been going to parties like Liquidity and shit too. And yeah, we basically just copy what we saw. We were brainstorming what do we need, what do we think we need, and then uh, we set everything up uh, via via one of the people who works. I'm not sure if she still works there, but uh, she worked at the Fondel Bunker at that time. Uh, she hooked us up with the organization and then everything just started rolling and we were like, yeah, let's do a party. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. It just, cause I mean, like Karen and I have spoken quite a lot about potentially putting on, putting on something one day, haven't we? But we've just had yeah. like no idea where to start. So I was, think it's quite interesting that you were sort of in the same position, but just completely just went in at the deep end you know yeah so i mean not was there anything you'd do differently but was there stuff that you that surprised you about putting that first event on that you didn't know it was going to be like that when you did that um yeah well two things mainly positive things and uh don't underestimate how difficult it is to get people on board. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's one thing to oh, get yeah. people to listen to your music, but it's another one to get them to pay money and join you at the party. Yeah. Um, so we were actually quite surprised when like we sold out the first edition. <laughs> oh, nice, um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, especially if you have a label or anything, you like you guys do. You have like a back catalog and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. Uh, defined style um if you can manage to get the right audience in it's so much better than like uh more general generic parties because everyone's yeah. there for the music you really create like a familiar feel it's yeah it's just amazing it's more about the vibe i suppose isn't it rather than just going out to see a particular artist it's more about like joining in in the community yeah exactly exactly Obviously, you still need some sort of an, some sort of a headliner like that's going to pull people in from out of your uh, regular audience to introduce new people to the like the brand and the party. But uh, 
90% of the people there will either have seen you before, spoken to you before, or will be uh, dedicated followers of your music. So that's amazing. Hmm. I guess right it on. plays into the whole community aspect of it as well, that the more the community grows, it's almost like you almost don't need a headliner because you become your own headliners. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you, you see it quite a lot, don't you, with like particular venues, like you know the name of the venue, but then they'll have different rooms. Normally you have like two rooms, don't you? And, and it's generally done by label. And you know, like like you say, you know exactly what you're getting if it said like, oh, this label, like differential, or if it's spearhead, where you know, you know what's going to be inside there, like critical, for example, you know exactly what to get. Yeah, and you precisely. Know which, you sort of know which sort of bubble of artists like would be playing at those kind of events. Like you won't have a like a really hard as nails neurofunk DJ at a very liquidy event, for example. Yeah, precisely. It's like um, I think it's especially uh, noticeable at the biggest venues, uh, like before the coronavirus, obviously. But you've had venues mm. like. Uh, um, the, what's it called the E3 I think in London and Fabric and that kind of stuff where you had the main yeah, room with yeah. like the worship guys like the really big headliners yeah and you see more of the um, like this is not meant offensively or, or degrading or anything like that but like the radio people going yeah, there of course, yeah. and mm. then you go to the, the like a second V recordings room or anything like that and it's just full of people like living for the music it's amazing Hmm. So there's been a few events, hasn't there? Then when where you've done differential showcases, like at larger events. Mm. Uh, yeah. So how how does that come about? Then is that something that you approach them, or are you approached by the the organisers to put something on? How how does that come about? It's a bit of both, really. Uh, as we all know, networking is key. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so the more people you know, the more people that will uh, know you from the business point of view. Uh, so it's a little bit of, uh, hey, I know your brands. I know I, I know what you're doing. I've been following it for. I like it. Uh, would you try and, or would you come and uh, play at our party? Would you like that? And then we take a look at it and we think, yeah, this fits our style, or this is a great opportunity, or more like. Mm, not really and uh, there's also been instances where like one of the guys has been DJing there and there, and then we're like hey how about we do a differential showcase next time add some versatility to the lineup uh, what do you think and they're like yeah of course why not sounds like a great idea nice yeah yeah mm. it's and definitely we- a good point about networking isn't it because I mean we we actually only met through going to that um, Cohen Sound event together and and Rift as well, I wouldn't have met you guys if it wasn't for that. So this time here we last are. year, yeah, exactly. One thing, one thing, uh, uh, one thing. I always feel like, especially when like everything was normal. I don't know if we'll ever go back to it, mm. but um, it's how small the world of drum and bass actually is once you're yeah. a little bit invested. Hundred percent. You don't have to like live on the internet or be like out there trying to network with everyone. Just go to parties, meet up with people you know who are 
around there and you will meet so many amazing people. It's the best. Mm. That sort of segues nicely into the fact that um, you had an event in London, was it early this year, January-ish? Yeah, like actually one of the last events before the last ones, everything yeah. went out, yeah. How'd that come yeah. about? Um, like- well, a little bit the same story, actually. We went to Liquidity last, like, uh, I know most of the uh, differential guys from uh, Liquidity Festival, the Liquidity Discord. Mm. They have a really tight community over there. It's, uh, yeah, it's a bunch of really great people. So uh, we met up at one of the festivals. That group just kept on growing through the years. And then last year we met uh, Tristan, uh, his brother, and like a bunch of uh, other guys from uh, their true a uh, few mutual friends from the Liquidity Discord. And Tristan approached us. He was like, hey, man, I've been following you for a while. I love what you do. Um, I have some connections in London with uh, a bunch of venues. Uh, would you like to host a party here? So uh, that was the beginning of it. Then he basically took care of most of the uh, venue stuff. And we took care of uh, like the rest of it, so to say, like the logistics, the artists, the lineup, that kind of stuff, um, all together with him, obviously. And that's how that came about. So yeah, that was <laughs> was honestly a once in a lifetime experience because it's so great. You you go to like a different country, you barely know anyone there, like a few people through the internet, through festivals. And then it's like the atmosphere is unbelievable. Like there's a lot of people who showed up. There's a lot of people who had the, like came to us and they had the time of their lives. Like, I don't know. It's really hard to put it into words. It's, it was so amazing. It's a very inclusive genre, drum and bass. It re- it's like one of those kind of genres that really brings people together. Yeah. I've always found. Yeah, exactly. Even, even, uh, with the venue where we were, we were at, um, oh God, I forgot the name. Uh, it was somewhere in Croydon. Yeah. Yeah. In Croydon and, uh, like, uh, Monroe and Tulumic were coming, uh, mm. they were playing. And, uh, I remember Monroe being local from there. So it wasn't a big venue. There wasn't really anything sort of like resembling a backstage. So everyone was just mingling with the crowd and, talking to each other and like it, it added to the inclusiveness because those are the moments you realize uh, even though their names are at the top of the posters they're still just people they're still there with their friends they're still mm. just out there to have a great party and sometimes people tend to forget that and that was like mm. a great reminder yeah yeah so seeing as you've had differential showcase in both festivals like Liquidity and so on and then you've also had these intimate venues I have to ask which do you prefer? Oh this is an impossible <laughs> this is an impossible question this isn't like um, it's different really because uh, standing in an empty room which is later filled up with like a thousand people seeing everyone jump to your music yeah yeah that's indescribable yeah but it's it's really not uh comparable to 
six or seven hours just smiles all around you see like pure ecstasy not the drugs not the drugs <laughs> like a feeling of ecstasy like people being so happy it, it, it literally brings you to tears and then uh yeah the first event uh as it was mainly volunteered uh we asked the uh, remaining crowd to help us clean up and everybody was like yeah of course dude of course i'll give you some time <laughs> like that feeling is so empowering it's so fulfilling it's it's true happiness i think it's yeah. much it's mm. much better than a bunch of no disrespect but a bunch of unrecognizable faces jumping to your music mm. thousands yeah. at a time i see your point and i guess as well i just want to ask so Obviously, from as someone from the Netherlands, how, in your perspective, how different is a UK crowd compared to a home crowd? That's a good question. Um, very different, mm. I think. Um, I think people in the Netherlands, especially the bigger parties, are more here for the crowd in the general genre of music. And in the UK, at least what I've what I've uh, been to what i've noticed is that people are either like completely of the nut mm. or just yeah. like living for the music so yeah. it's not not as much about mingling with the others yeah even no, though it's still yeah. inclusive yeah that's definitely the case i'd say um I, I suppose like drum and bass in the uk especially as well it's just it's leaked into like the whole of like the uk society if you know what i mean so you get you get like loads of different types of people now that all well that used to go to these drum and bass events that maybe their whole heart and soul wasn't in the genre if you get what i mean yeah exactly but i, but I imagine over where you are like everyone who's there is there purely because of their like undeniable love of drum and bass yeah exactly and even though that's true to in the netherlands to a point it's still always the uh not specifically outcasts but like bordering the regular people like it's mm. not that uh, seep through in society it's you always run into the same people you always have mostly have the similar interests similar uh stories from high high school to put it that way mm. right so, okay. a lot more reminiscing going on and then like a bit more of a nostalgia kind of element to it as well i suppose mm. Hey, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. It's it's just, um, if something happens, people will remember it and you can guarantee you will see them at your next party. That's not the case in the UA, uh, UK. Oh, right, yeah. That's what so, you're saying. It's not that people get more um, restrained, but it's more that it's easier to speak to other people because you know you will see them again because you know they're there to have a good time so the the um at least how i feel the inclusivity uh is that correct yeah 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 the inclusiveness the inclusivity is um it's a bit more face-to-face -face than a general crowd feeling if you know what i mean it's more you're friends with those people instead of you're part of this group mm. okay yeah. okay yeah 
So it adds more to that sort of community. So I guess the Netherlands just has a smaller but more dedicated community. In that sort yeah, of sense. yeah, I'd say so. I think I'd prefer that. Yeah, if same. I'm honest. Oh, oh for sure, man. Be- <laughs> because even even though, like you say, it's it's a lot more integrated in our culture over here. Like it was, I'd say at the moment now, probably more people know of drum and bass than than don't. Yeah, but I, I still, even though where I am. You know, every my entire town can know about it, but I live in a f- fairly small town, and I don't think there's like ever been a drum and bass event here. So I would mm. have to travel quite far, which obviously you know then costs more, and so you end up really. In my case, I tend to only go to sort of more special occasions, like bigger occasions, where I do see people I know, but it's not the same as I recognise all these people, and there's that that community is it is more segregated, definitely, yeah. I guess that's yeah. why it's because drum and bass now, to put it in quotes, it's more socially accepted. I think Topi said it in a previous episode where it's a lot more common to just publicly say, oh, yeah, you know, I play drum and bass. I'm a drum and bass DJ. Yeah. 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 Like like um, the, the uh, in the Netherlands, like how you guys have drum and bass, it's more like techno over here. Techno in house, right. people are like, yeah. people are like, oh yeah, you like underground dance music, you like techno, you know, <laughs> and then you put on them and I like drum and bass. What's that? Oh, yeah. so it's just fast techno. No, <laughs> see, it was it was very much like that in the UK, maybe about five years ago. But I think it's just like within that time frame, it's become a very kind of known genre over here. Mm. But I yeah. think we, we used to be very much a kind of very housey kind of techno crowd as well when it came to electronic music. Yeah, but you've also had like a reasonable amount of radio plays by like worship mm. guys and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, mainly on Radio yeah, 1. Yeah, yeah. yeah, radio, like yeah, BBC but- Radio 1's usually been here. Yeah. One extra's been a godsend for a lot of the yeah. artists on the genre, yeah. That's a fair point. Think- no, go on, sorry. Oh, no, no worries. I think, I think uh, this year, like literally uh, it's terrible anecdote but they got one of the divided releases like the neuro things got played on uh, 3fm it's one of the bigger uh, dutch radio stations public radio mm. station but before that i think the last time i heard something was like rio by netsky mm. oh, right. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so, that's that's been a while ago yeah so mostly on the radio, it's just techno and house, then not other styles as much. We well, yeah, the dance, the dance music is mostly uh, like the techno and house, especially the the tropical house, the Kygo things, the Robin Schultz things. Yeah, yeah. right. The uh, really odd, rudimental disclosure, uh, that kind of stuff. Not really the hard techno or anything. Yeah, just the stuff that kind and of crosses then, into like the commercial sides of it, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's just <clears throat> yeah. Otherwise, it's just pop music. So it's it's same as every other country with like Dutch pop artists, English pop artists. You know how it goes. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Rap. <laughs> so I mean, we've we've obviously spoken about like the the kind of differential side of of DJing and events and whatnot. But I suppose um, what's what's your sort of your backstory how, how did you how did you get into djing or, or even beyond that you know what was your sort of introduction to drum and bass then yeah so no i owe my musical tastes for a lot 
to my uh, upbringing. My parents were always very uh, varied in what they listened to. Mm. Uh, so I've got in touch with like more alternative music, electronic music really early, like Freestyler, uh, Prodigy mm. back in the days. Then when I was around like eight or nine, uh, I kind of found out about Pendulum. And also during that same time, uh, mm. someone introduced me to Flux Pavilion. So <laughs> right. obviously as a 10-year-old, you go scarring YouTube, you uh, find the UKF channels. <laughs> yeah. that era of UKF dubstep as well such gold absolutely yeah, gold. Exactly. <laughs> exactly like the the really old like flaming UKF logos yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, one one thing led to another I ended up buying a uh, a DJ controller about I think eight years ago now mm. I wasn't really into uh into the scene so to speak i went to a couple of parties throughout the years but mainly one or two per year each then after some time i uh, found out that you can promote do promotional work for uh, some parties so i ended up doing promotional work for nox in the netherlands like from the first event the first um uh event in the fnr not the the first first nox but the first uh, standalone party, so to say, so to say, uh, I worked there for a bit. I helped there for a bit. I became friends with the owner and founder of Nox, and he has a second party called Beats and Bass, and that's where I debuted my uh, DJ career. <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, like his second party Beats and Bass. He uh, asked if I could help, thinking of. Uh, Lineups and stuff. By this time, I was way too deep in the drum and bass scene. I hmm. I was looking for um, like Jastics back catalog and uh, CIA and like old bookum and everything like that. I was like, okay, Dimension sounds the same. Uh, North Quarter is good, but you know how it goes. You just mm, yeah. delve from one end to another and keep going, looking for new music. So by then, I had my uh, DJ debut. That's about three years ago, four years ago. I don't know. Somewhere around that time. And then I've had some solo gigs since then. <laughs> and I've, yeah, I've had some solo gigs. Worked on worked for Nox for a long time. Still actually help with them. So I'm really fond of that party too. Really enjoy it always. Actually, the last party I played at was Nox this year, two weeks after Differential London. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's cool. I just, I, I find it really interesting because there's, I don't think there's too many examples or at least not off the top of my head where, where guys have sort of um, reached success, like just DJing. Um, yeah. I, mean, I suppose what I mean is like a lot of people tend to be sticking out with the production first or, or they'll be, you know, they DJ and produce, but the production is kind of what gets them up there, gets their name up there. And then the bookings tend to come with that. So it's interesting to see someone actually become successful on that. We're like just focusing on the DJ. And so. I mean, the only yeah, but I, I cheated. Oh, oh okay. 
<laughs> because I know the people who were filling up lineups, filling mm-hmm. out lineups. Like it's stupid. It, it's it's it makes no sense. But the guy just had faith in me. He was like, "Show me what you can do." Yeah. And so that happened. And I, obviously, yeah. I wouldn't say that's differing as much. There, that's there, there is just a massive thing of yeah, you need to know someone. Now, what's the saying? Yeah. It's um, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> thing is, a lot of people don't know. Uh, see, to put it bluntly, see no names starting out playing uh, different kinds of sets being happily surprised by them and then they're like yeah but he doesn't produce or how do you know why why did he get that slot and they most of the time they don't know people have been working like months if not years backstage yeah, behind yeah. the scenes helping yeah, with stuff yeah. so there's a lot of time that goes in there not just playing or creating music also the uh, um, the backbone of everything to put like that do do you produce at all, or have you ever been tempted? <laughs> <laughs> interesting. So no, it's not an interesting story. <laughs> no, I'm I'm one of the people that says I should produce more often, and then don't end up producing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've yeah I'm I've got my DAW. I know my way around a DAW. I hmm. feel confident enough giving technical feedback to people. Yeah. But I don't have an official release or anything resembling a completed song <laughs> it's mainly eight bar loops <laughs> right yeah, oh, yeah but i mean the, there shouldn't be that pressure to to produce i mean un, you know unless you really want to um but it's it's odd yeah as you say that i you don't I, i've not been to too many like events where there's been people on the lineup that i don't recognize from their productions and they are just there through 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 DJ and it's and it is odd that that's still sort of the way it is in in the scene. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a big shift in the scene in that sense, especially now with the live streams and stuff. But um, mm. back in the day, it used to be people getting famous on DJing, like yeah, the, like yeah, the, yeah. the founders, like Fabian Groove right there, uh, Randall, Randall, Andy C, yeah, <laughs> that's right, exactly. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Andy C got famous through production, so that doesn't really count. I suppose, well, with body rock like, and whatnot. Yeah. So um, he was DJing a lot before then, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I don't know about his DJ time back then that well, to be honest. So I can't really comment on that. Yeah, fair. But enough. like Fabio Groove, right? Prime example. Um, and then, like the last decade or so, it was mainly people getting known through production and now uh it's not really a standout feature like standout um what's it called it's not really something that people notice anymore because everyone produces so yeah yeah especially here in the netherlands especially with the the smaller more local events uh there's a lot of people that don't even produce that play the headline slots Mm. And honestly, I'm all for it because I'm a DJ by heart, quote unquote, producer second. Um, and I think there's a lot of value in a proper DJ instead of someone who produces and DJs on the side. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. 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 That's a thing. Like, just because you release tunes doesn't necessarily mean that that person's like an incredible DJ. 
I think, yeah, yeah. I think it's because people, a lot of those producers have their own secret weapons, tunes they produce just for sets that sort of entice people. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's the point. But there's so much drum and bass in the world. Yeah. That you don't need no hidden dubs because if I play a tune that's 10 years old that you've never heard before, you might as well think it's a dub. Exactly. Like there are yeah. some tunes from back then that are, that are so ahead of its time. Yeah. And the thing is, anyone can learn how to beat pitch. It's not that difficult. But it's if you're a passionate DJ, you don't just end at beat match and you don't just end up rotating the equalizers. You you start messing about with three decks, four decks, seeing what doubles work, what don't. You start using effects to spice up tunes, so you start adding your own loops and everything like that, making your own productions in a sense. And then you get crazy, start of playing six decks on vinyl and say, hey, guys, look at me. I'm the best now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's, yeah, it it's, is. Like DJing isn't just about playing tunes cleanly after one another. One another. It's about crafting an experience, a storyline, just yeah. as much as producing your own tunes or bringing out that foghorn you produced specifically for this event. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the thing. I think a lot of people think, I don't think enough people realize the importance of selection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sele selection is what carries the mood. Exactly, because you could, you could have a very, very well, perfectly mixed set, no mistakes at all. But if the crowd's not moving, then what's the point? Yeah, it's all about reading that crowd. Exactly. It tends to become clinical for some bigger artists. Yeah, you, I can they, see that. You play what you know. You know, you play the set list that people are familiar with. But it's fun for the first time. But is it still fun the seventh time in three months? I think I remember a story. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember a story. This was like I think I read it in some DJ Markey interview. But apparently, in his first uh, DJing job, when he first learned how to DJ, he kept on having the same set list again and again and again at the same, like, I think it was like a bar or something. But because all the punters knew exactly what tunes coming in at what time and so on, I think he got fired from that. And again, it just says, like, you know, selection is everything. Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, imagine if, if you went to see a comedian and it was really funny and you loved it and then you went to see them like at a different venue the next year or a few months later and they just told the exact same jokes like you'd you'd feel like you wasted your money yeah 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 exactly yeah 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 you'd be like why did i spend my money on this yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it shouldn't be the same with djs i know even even if it's like coincidental, I think there's, I know there's DJs like Dimension who play world tours, like, and, and they play several sets in a country, but I don't think you need a 100% same set every, Yeah, I know a bunch of friends of mine can like ID and track lists, uh, sets from certain artists before. Well, now obviously they can't anymore because so much happened. But they used to be able to like ID beforehand. Okay, this is coming in now. This is going to happen next. Wow. And you just sit there wondering why do people still pay so much money just to see this guy? Like, yeah. I get that. I get that some DJs have their like particular blends that they always do. Like for example, 
when Andy C does Midnight Remix into True Romance, stuff like that. But, yeah, obviously. But there comes a point where if you've got the whole hour, it's just a bit... And you get like people like your friends who could just say, oh yeah, this is coming, this is coming. That's a bit odd, I think. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. It's a bit... I don't mean to sound salty. It might sound <laughs> a little bit salty. No, don't worry, that's what this show is about. Yeah, it's a- <laughs> we love a bit of salt over here. Hey, welcome to my red towel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a little bit of mistrust, so to say. Like, do you even prepare your sets? Is it still mm. really your passion? Yeah, a bit lazy, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And a little bit of, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because obviously people are going wild. Why would you change it up? Why would you change up your formula? Mm. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, just as you said, like, and you see a signature blends, everybody, every uh, person I know that uh, plays DJ sets has their own blends, their own tracks. They will just always play because they always work. Yeah, exactly. And a fun, fun uh, anecdotal uh, situation. Um, my girlfriend, she's been with me to several sets of mine, obviously. Um, and uh, one of my friends, Dusky, he made a Footloose bootleg, like the old Footloose oh, okay. musical. <laughs> it's such a fun bootleg. It's great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it always works because people don't expect it. They just think, what the fuck? Why is this mixed yeah. in here? Yeah. And I have so much fun playing it. And I always play it at the moment in a set where I think, okay, now I can mess with their heads mm. and make a lift of the crowd. And every time I do it, every time I look at my girlfriend, she's like, are you serious? Not again. <laughs> and every time after my set, I hear people saying, oh, man, that food loose bootleg. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, it's, it's about the performance though, isn't it? And it's, it's, you, can, you can tell the passion you have like based on that reaction. And yeah. that's exactly what you're saying. If you're just going up there and it's, you know, not to name any names, but like these people that do the headline acts and it's the same sort of set, it almost makes you wonder, like you said, like, are they passionate about it or is it just like, right, okay, next gig, like, let's go. <laughs> is it just money. to get another paycheck, basically? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, 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 I will always advocate for reinventing yourselves. Bring something new in. Like there's been a bunch of people that last year started doing uh, live shows, bringing in guitars, bringing in guitars, yeah. bringing in synthesizers. Honestly, do that. I love it. It's great. It will refresh your uh, own feelings about performing too. I think. And it plays into that whole standout um, aspect that you said earlier, because. Well, everyone who produces DJs. But if you've got some guy who produces but plays a guitar while DJing, yeah, that's or their even, selling point. While DJing, that would be impressive. I know, right? <laughs> Using yeah, the guitar yeah. to turn the <laughs> Guitar Hero CDJ edition. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what Marky does, though? Flipping his uh, vinyl upside down and scratching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, been, he's been doing that for years. <laughs> I remember yeah. seeing that when I was about... 16 at WOMAD festival down in Reading. First time, oh, wow. first time I really saw like drum bass live and like Marky, I think it was TC and then it was Marky in this big tent. I remember just seeing Marky like flip this, the, uh, <laughs> the turntable and just start like cradling like a baby, but scratching yeah. away. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> mad, man. Killers don't die scratch. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's it, though, isn't it? People remember that sort of stuff. That's that's what that's what sets you apart, uh, as you say, not just standing there doing really clinical fades and nothing else really to it. Like, I mean, I that's probably my limit. Like, I could put together a guest mix, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I almost wouldn't feel comfortable going to like a sold out venue and just doing really basic blends with the same track list that I'm always using. Mm. It's it's odd. It almost makes you like sort of forgettable in the lineup. Like when everyone comes out of the lineup, you know how we're always like, oh yeah, that set was my favorite of the night. And yeah, whatever. yeah. If you're just doing the same set and you're just there like a robot, people aren't going to be like, oh yeah, I liked his set. They won't remember it. Yeah, exactly. But I also know people, um, uh, a friend of mine who is uh, can be a little bit nervous on stage, especially when he just started out playing. Uh, he is really really good at crafting stories so we okay. had this pretty pretty huge gig like a ma- like a massive gig i can't really name it because i'll give away right away <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was really nervous and he was really uh uh like will i do it correctly will it go well he had a big time slot too one and a half hours oh, wow. and uh there weren't any uh signature moves or anything like that, so to speak. He was, I know him, so he was pretty restrained in his onstage appearance. But the way he told his story, the way the music flowed through each other, the styles he blended with each other, they created such a big feeling for everyone that he's had a lot, a lot of feedback of people that were like, wow, man, you might have been the best set of the evening, even with with all these headliners. Nice. It's just, I don't care if you were there on stage just playing the music, but the way everything tied together, the story he told, it was so good. Mm. And that's 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 what I'm. Um, that's what I can get quite upset about that people don't pay attention to uh, creating a, a complete experience. They just mm. dare to play one tune after another. Is there, you know, with these festivals and all that you've played at, do you still get nervous as well? Or are you kind of over it now? <laughs> um, personally, I obviously, I do get nervous. I think it's only natural that you get nervous. Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, the first few tracks set the tone. Uh, I've had instances where I've been playing and where I thought, okay, I messed up this first mix, not like badly clanging messed up, but like it's just not sitting right. Yeah. And you carry that feeling for the whole set and yeah. people are enjoying themselves. That's great. But you feel afterwards like, I could have done better. Yeah. This wasn't my final set. They would just feel like you let yourself oh, down. <laughs> I have to put a side note to this too because uh, I refuse to play with a set track list. I... Even though I have tracks I fall back to, I will always improvise my sets on the spot. That's better, I find. I find it's more fun. Yeah, it is more fun, but you have these moments where you just can't get in the flow that I I was just speaking about. uh, It it kind of messes you up a little bit, or not so so much messes you up, but it kind of gives you uh, a feeling that... This is not what the people deserve. The people that mm. are uh, specifically standing there trying to enjoy, even though they seem to have been enjoying the music, yeah, you want to do better. But other times you just mesh everything together. You you nail the first two or three 
And once those go well, once you get like three or four mixes down correctly, possibly a double in there, you're just like, let's fucking do this shit. Yeah. And yeah. You, you start riding a high and you take it with you for the rest of the set. Surely, yeah, of course I get nervous. It only goes away once I've done the first few mixes. Yeah. That, that really sense. helps. I think one, yeah, once you nail like that one mix that's just like so good in your in your eyes. That's usually when the kind of nerves really drop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just get that boost, like, don't you? Especially if it's like yeah. a two tunes that you've never actually tried to put together and they work perfectly. Mm. Yeah, if you've got that feeling like, I know this track, I know this one, will it work? Yeah. Well, let's find out. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing like dropping a fresh dub that you've not even heard live yet and then it just going off and the crowd going nuts that just like, yeah. makes you think, yeah, I'm not yeah. nervous anymore. I've, I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most empowering. Actually, I have a question for you guys. Oh, okay. Um, have you been able to or have you uh, have you been able to play or have you been to any of the sit-down events? No, I have not. I haven't. No. I haven't. You also haven't visited any of them? No, um... There has been a couple in Manchester where I live. Um, I miss both of them, unfortunately. But um, it's pretty it's pretty bad for events over here at the minute. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah bad. our government just really don't care about the that the industry at all. Yeah, like so. So it's like we we did. There was a few going on. I think there's way more down south, to be honest. But there's been very little up north in uh, England. So how do sit down events work then? Is it literally just a DJ set and everyone sitting down? Or yeah. Is there... <laughs> yeah. As opposed, as opposed to what, Karen? Well, I was going to say, maybe is there like more like emphasis on like live D&D or something like that? As a... Stop it, guys. <laughs> I just mean in the sense of like, because no, I've said it. this before in that I would love for there to be live dmb events where it's more about the music being played not as a dj but more performed yeah because i feel like especially being experimental myself i feel like having those kind of events would have an uprising people kind of breaking out of the norms of production i so, suppose it's like um the london electricity big band mm. that he did a few years ago isn't yeah it? i was there yeah, for exactly. that. yeah yeah i was there for that and i really loved it and i would love to see more of that because it it's sort of pushes people to step outside of like standard DJing tool kind of yeah. music. I think we've talked about this as well, Karen. Um, yeah. Before about uh, when you actually go to an event like that and you're hearing like the, the real dynamics and like, acoustics from the instruments themselves. That's it. Like exactly. that in itself is such a powerful experience. Like obviously like club events are great and stuff, but it's obviously just like blasting through the speakers, but there's just something mm -hmm. about that. Those natural acoustics and natural dynamics it's yeah, like that's really, why I was really moving. That's why I was wondering if like there's some of that in these sit down events, or if it is just DJ sets. But I, su I suppose a lot of a lot of that is down to how well a particular artist music would translate yeah. to being played by a band. Because yeah. I mean, in my instance, uh, uh, you know, I, I use a lot of pad work and kind of atmospheric sounds and that, and I, and they're not sounds made from live instruments. So I don't know how well. You know, if it just for example, my music would translate to that. But. Yeah, but you can replicate that, can't yeah, you? Like strings. You, there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of synthesizers or like string instruments, mm. and you can oh, just yeah, hook yeah, it. Suppose, you yeah. can hook it up to a reverb pedal, and there you go. That's yeah. similar to S what uh, Cameron Crockett said. Right? 
Cameron Cricket's thing with the whole orchestra. That's yeah. I think those two yeah. they were just triggering Simpson and all that. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, well, uh, as you started out with it, uh, Gonson last year. Yeah, of course. They had like a bunch of live scenes. Also, like the door open. Yeah. But you can replicate that. Honestly, I think I think it went a little bit. Uh, it went to shit again too quickly over here in the Netherlands. Right. Because uh, yeah, yeah, th- this makes no sense. This statement on itself. But uh, I know for a few parties at least that were um, either bringing in artists or uh, asking around, putting out feelings. If there were any uh, producers interested in making uh, alternative live shows, uh, as we were talking, as you were talking about just uh, now, bringing in uh, possible instrumentalists, doing, bringing their own synths, doing that kind yeah. of stuff. Since uh, sit-down, sit-down events are fun to see the people and everything, but it's not, uh, it's, I don't think it's viable because you're missing something. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Going, going back to what you were saying about um, how, how one of the great things about it over in the Netherlands is how everyone really kind of merges together. But with sit-down events, that's like literally you cannot do that. <laughs> you have to like be at <laughs> your own table. You can't like mingle with other people. So it's almost like yeah, really yeah, killing yeah. the whole networking side of things as well. I guess which you're is not even allowed to one stand. of the worrying things. You're not even allowed to stand near your table, are you? You have to be sat down. Yeah. No, you have to be sat down. And theoretically, you're correct. However, uh, in in at the events itself, it quickly showed that people will start mingling when grabbing drinks. Oh, when okay. Going to right. the yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, of course, you're a little bit more separated. and But the, uh, most of the venues and most of the uh, organizations weren't that strict that you can't uh, move around at all. Mm. So many people still at least got to uh, catch up with uh, with each other, even if it's for five minutes. And obviously, after the parties, everyone leaves oh god, the same that was <laughs> oh god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. People will be waiting outside. They will be going for the same bus stops. They will be uh, yeah. finding after parties. Uh, I don't know. I've seen a little bit of news b- about the raves in England. But there's so many house parties and raves over here. Like, it's, uh, I, I don't want to say uh, irresponsible and unbelievable or unbelievably irresponsible, but it borders on mm. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. I guess, though, that asking, since you've actually done events and with the label and all that, and I guess we kind of have to talk about it, how has the virus impacted the label in the sense of has the output of the music changed. Obviously, you can't do events, which makes sense, but do you feel that naturally it subconsciously changes your music as well? Um, in terms of new demos, yes, mm. because there's a lot more people producing, looking to get their tunes out. However, uh, our, this is not meant to break or to be arrogant in any way. No, of course. But our release schedule is pretty full. So we have a pretty stable stream of music coming at any time, um, which means that the demos, uh, the releases we're putting out now have been in the works for over a year already. Right, okay. So uh, the big point of difference, uh, there's a little bit of, a uh, little bit, a lot of stuff has happened this year, uh, before this year too, uh, that actually changed uh, 
for us because we've switched distributor, distributors. Mm -hmm. So um, financial-wise, you can't really compare it to last year. Uh, but the big thing that did change, that did impact it, uh, was the growth of the party. Since we had a, uh, several um, really, really great showcases set for this summer, mm. uh, definitely uh, Rampage, of course. Uh, also yeah. some some not announced slash uh, oh Rampage there was a big festival in uh, Belgium oh yeah where we were playing so like international uh, crowds will get the chance to know us know our faces know our music yeah by just being at a festival and I feel like that really impacted really stunted the growth of uh, what we could do also it obviously doesn't help that you don't get the funds from those either yeah but we don't have anything to complain about because it's been going well we've steadily been growing a little bit here and there got got some new music i'm really really proud of the the stuff we've put out this year so far and what's still coming mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm not explicitly allowed to tell this <laughs> Ooh. but we have a debut album coming early next year oi, oi. so that's going to be great you will see the first uh first bits of that showing up soon too awesome interesting so there's a lot of stuff looking to look forward to also a lot of stuff that's just sad it happens but yeah that's life isn't it yeah and i guess i want to ask as well because i know you guys have been doing uh live streams for release parties i i think i attended the one for defragmented when malinky was playing but yeah, yeah yeah how how does it feel sort of moving towards a live streaming event do you feel like it's something that will carry on after this is all over or do you think once this is all over live streams are dead no i don't think so because there's uh it's given a stage to too many people to completely ignore it. Even before you've had the like the block to block radio in Manchester yeah, yeah. and the, uh, that kind of stuff, where uh, that sprouted a lot of talent. So I don't think they'll ever be dead, but I think at least the first half year, people will be like, "No, I'm not going to watch a live stream. I'm going to go to this party, or I'm going to go to my friends." Mm, or, yeah, yeah. I think the world will go absolutely mad. <laughs> catching up with each other <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's for sure so yeah yeah and obviously in terms of release party you just it's not so fun doing it on a live stream you can't hand out stickers you can't talk with people you yeah. can't really yeah. gauge their uh, experience it's just a chat <laughs> it's box cool. talking to your friends but yeah it's cool because you can it's easier to do internationally yeah but why wouldn't you want it with a live crowd and a live stream for the people that can't be there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a shout. Yeah. Well, we've got a few minutes left. Obviously, you've just mentioned about the, the debut LP that will be dropping soon. But apart from that, is there anything at all that you want to shout out? Anything that you want to hint at that you might have coming up? This is your chance to, to plug anything you want. Oh, my chance to plug. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, first of all, be sure to tune into the Differential Podcast every third Monday of the uh, month, uh, just ahead of Kino, sometimes the week after, because he does the third Wednesday, you know. Um, 
only on Mixcloud. Uh, Spotify is difficult with music. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I want to say huge thanks for you, to you guys for having me on the show. Thank you for coming uh, on. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to my rants. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Ooh, absolutely, man. We love the salt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> salty food is the best food. <laughs> I don't need to. <laughs> um, yeah, furthermore, we just just put out uh, our latest release by uh, it's the WEP of RS. It's a really loungy jersey EP with a uh, one darker track on it. It's amazing. Uh, RSWT does vocals on one of the tracks and. Like he nailed it. It's unbelievably good. Uh, next up, yeah, everyone I know, obviously, every, or everyone that's working on music with me, everyone that puts their time in it, keep up the passion. You guys too. I know you've been working hard on putting out new music. Uh, especially Jack. I've seen your name pop up everywhere lately. Yeah, Jack's smashing okay. it, isn't he? Yeah. He has, oh. You've been making some serious moves, man. Jack, Jack <laughs> certainly be popping. Thank, thank you. Yeah, definitely. So oh, keep I don't know doing what to this. Say. Keep going at it. <laughs> Red in the face right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and you guys may have heard of this label. It's a bit underground, but they're doing sick things. It's called Calibrate Records. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That label. <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously. I really don't like been... the owner of that label, though. He's uh, <laughs> <hating>. <laughs> no, I, I like what you've been doing. It's it's taking. I like the different perspective on things that's coming from the label. Thank you. Again. It's just, just, just what I'm trying to say, I guess, is keep going at it. Keep pouring in your passion and keep enjoying life. Mm. Make the best of what you've got. Hey, what, what strong words. <laughs> <laughs> and Niels as well. Uh, where can the listeners of the Think Breaks podcast find you on your socials? Um... Obviously, different, uh, differential, differential recordings. It's on Spotify, Facebook, SoundCloud, everything you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a personal DJ page on Facebook and SoundCloud called NHN or NHN DMB. Uh, I'm not that active, so don't expect <laughs> too much. It's fun if you ever want to catch a live set. I do update those generally. But uh, yeah. My social game is lacking. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We like the honesty over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is the end of the show. And also, uh, Niels did mention an Auris EP that just came out. Uh, by the time this goes out, that EP would have been released for two weeks. So go check it out. Copy um, it. will be available everywhere. Everywhere. Um and yeah just a final note so um we currently so next episode is the final episode of season one of dink breaks madness i know right so we are hosting a little competition for you guys the listeners and that is to make our jingle for season two simple as that um we'll put up the rules uh you'll see on our facebook and all of our socials um and we will host this competition until the end of December, just in time for season two to begin. Um, but yeah, with that being said, thank you for joining. Niels, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. a lovely time. Yes, boys, we've had a lovely time. And see you Spend all. Indeed, indeed. Yes. And see you all next time. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. 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 Capacity.